The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 82, Student Engagement with Risa Bennett. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, man? Doing all right, my man. How about you? I am good. This is number 082 of the Beer EDU podcast. I am Ben Dixon. You can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at bdixonnv. And you, my friend? I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at andersonedtech, andersonedtech.net for the blogs at I'm not going to say I have, I've been as bad as you when it comes to writing blogs, but I've been a little bit, been a little slow on the blogs lately. And then, then there's my book, To the Edge, Successes and Failures to Risk-Taking. Learn more about that at toTheEdgeEDU.com. You can find that on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's website. And we got a little bit of news to share yes. with the listeners a little bit, a little, little development that uh, has come out since our last couple episodes. Yes, so we are featuring a guest, or, or how do, how would we describe this? I'm I'm, I'm like, how do you? <laughs> I I would say that if anybody's a guest, it would be us. We're a guest with the with this group. So yes, so school rubric reached out to us and right. said that they they've been listening to our show for a while and. Right. They wanted to talk about striking up a bit of a partnership with us. So, mm-hmm. so we obliged and we met with them uh, wanting to know what a partnership with them would be. And basically school rubric is it's, it's a website. You can find them at schoolrubric.com, and their mission is to help schools, educators, parents, and students help tell their story so that stakeholders can make the best choices about enrollment and staffing. So, they feature different podcasts. They feature different mm-hmm. blogs, uh, a lot of different things. And actually, a couple of our guests from previously, Che and Pav, right. with their podcast, the Staff Room Podcast, they are also featured on School Rubric's website. So uh, so for the time being, School Rubric is graciously hosting us on their website. So yep. you can actually get our episodes through them now as well. Yep. They have a bunch of different podcasts on there. They're on Twitter. And I just think, I think, um, I think it's super, we've talked about this a lot of times about like how important it is to tell your story. And, and, and cause if you're not telling your story, someone else is. So I right. think, I think they're helping educators, helping schools do that. Um, and I definitely check them out. Um, and hopefully this is a, this will be a, a good, a good um a good partnership maybe you know some different maybe if you found us through school rubric welcome welcome you'll um you'll learn all about uh beer and then also we'll have a guest but i think before we go to that we might want to talk about our beer yeah we do drink beer on this show so ben why don't you go ahead and talk about yours first because this one is i I would say both of ours are a little bit surprising for the night but yours is really surprising (laughs) Okay, so I went with, for the uh, streaming, I don't know if they can see this if, for YouTube. So I went with Buckler, and this is a non-alcoholic beer from Heineken. And I believe we've talked about this beer on the show. I had to go, I had to think about, we had a guest, and I think, I think we referenced this beer, or the guest did. Um, 
but it's it's a non-alcoholic it's 0.1 percent abv uh 12 ibu um it is brewed by heineken and you know what it it tastes like a heineken i'm just gonna be honest it tastes like heineken it's really actually really good it's not incredible it's not horrible um but yeah it's it's, it's a beer that you can have several yes. of if you want and yes. still be able to walk or and or drive home at the end of the night and maybe you know it's probably a good idea on school nights that maybe i you know if i have a beer or two beers i don't fall asleep because i'm old at 7 30 at night so <laughs> i can have two of these with my dinner and i'm golden yeah that 0.1 percent abv really is a lot lower than what we typically talk about so i would yeah. definitely say this is a lawnmower <laughs> beer on steroids it, it is, and I'm, I'm not kidding. And I would, I, 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 if you find it, I want you to try it because I really do think it tastes like Heineken. It, I can't, I, I mean, I have to go buy some Heinekens to tell. I mean, it's probably, it's a little lighter than a regular Heineken, but it definitely has that, that Heineken taste. You know, that, that aftertaste right. is what I call it. I have not had a Heineken in a really long time because frankly, I never used to like it much, but a, since yeah. my palate has expanded over the last few years, it has that distinct like Eastern European Pilsner taste to it, like right. the Czech Pilsner style, even though it's yeah. uh, brewed in Holland. So I, I bet if I drank it now, I'd probably appreciate it a little bit more yeah. than I used to. Yeah, I remember. Well, yeah, when you were when when I was very young, and that was like, ooh, the imported beer. You would get, oh, we're gonna get Heinekens in the green bottle, right? And I was like, or we could all just go buy a case of Keystone and be happy, <laughs> and say, <laughs> and, and and spend a quarter of the price. Yeah, so little, you know, and it's funny. I honestly don't know if I've ever had a Keystone because there are other thirty packs of cheap <laughs> beer that we got into instead. Natty. And yeah, Natty was one of them. Oh. I could tell you a horrible night that involved Natty yeah. Ice, but uh, we'll, oh. we'll, we'll save that for another time. Yes. Okay. You, you, okay. And when I was putting in this in the, mine in the show notes, I had to do a double take on yours. Well, so this one is a little bit of a shock, literally, because it uh -uh. is shock top Belgian white. Right. So, no, th so this one, it's a macro brew. I mean, this one's made by Budweiser. Yeah. And yes. Like I've said on episodes before, we sometimes like to tie what we're drinking to our learn about. So right. here, here's your, I'm just going to give it away. We're okay. going to talk a little bit about the Belgian white style or wit beer yep. today. Now, because of COVID, because frankly, I don't want to go to 19 different places looking for beers or whatever. Sure. I went to one place the other day, one of the big box retailers near me right. looking for wit beer and the closest they had to wit beer was Shocktown. Wow. So okay. I got that. Now this big box, it was Target. I mean, Target's beer selection is going to be lower anyway. So, it, okay. yeah. So, and I wasn't going anywhere else. I had the kids with me. It it was yeah, it was an ordeal. So anyway, five point two percent ABV, ten IBU, very light. It's a little pithy, you know, that nice like yeah. bitter orange uh, right. taste to it. A little bit of a spice note to it. It's pretty refreshing. It's very you know. Right. On more beer, like, so I read the label. It's made with lemon, lime, and orange peel and coriander. So that's where that pithy and the right. uh, spice is coming from. Now, I've had wit beers before, some of which have been amazing. Some of them have been terrible. This one's in the middle of the road. It's not right. too bad, but it's not too good, though, either. So I have a couple more in the fridge. I will, I'll drink them. I will not pour them out. But um, I've definitely had some other ones that are yeah. 
I will say that. And I do got some great examples once we get to the learn about. I, I, you know what? And it's one and my wife likes that's, that's her style. That's her favorite style that or a Saison. So we will occasion, I will occasionally buy it. Um, and, and actually it's not bad. I've had it on tap and it's not bad on tap. It's actually better on tap. I, I would say, I feel like I've had it on tap before and it's better mm-hmm. on tap. But then again, I know the times I've had it on tap have been at minor league baseball games and yeah. all beers are better on tap at a baseball game anyway. So, Because you paid $12 for them. Yeah, Everything well, tastes better when it costs $12. Yeah, when it costs $12, <laughs> bucks, it, 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 it tastes a lot better. So, Now, Ben, we have yes. a guest with us that I'm pretty excited about. I'm like, I'm excited yeah. about all of our guests, but this is a guest right. I'm pretty excited about. So we need to take a moment to yes. welcome Risa Bennett to the podcast. Hello, Risa, welcome. Risa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So happy yes. that we could uh, work this out because we did try to record this yeah. a few <laughs> days ago and we had... My bad. Ben, yeah. <laughs> ben had a little bit of a snafu that involved not seeing an email from his boss. So yeah. Yeah. Hey kids, read your emails, maybe before five (laughs) o'clock. Indeed. So now Risa, we talked a little bit about this as well. Um, You asked us ahead of time what to do to prepare for the show. We said, just bring a beer. And then we find out you're not a beer drinker and there's a pretty good reason why. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're drinking instead and why you're not drinking beer. (laughs) There we go. Well, I, I want to start by clarifying under normal circumstances, I'm certainly a beer drinker, but uh, COVID and quarantine, I guess, got the better of my household and I have a baby on the way. So I have spent my last few months um, refining my sparkling water palette. So oh. I'm here to tell you that if you're looking for the best sparkling or mineral water on the market. It's Topo Chico. You can find that at Whole Foods and on Amazon. Uh, um, the way I like to describe it is, you know, the, the more expensive the champagne, the more bubbles per cubic, mm-hmm. whatever. It's like Topo Chico is the expensive champagne of mineral water. Very bubbly. Recommended with half of the lime squeezed in there. <sighs> but if it was not for that... <laughs> I would certainly be drinking something local from Kansas City here. So obviously our big brand is Boulevard and I love a good pale ale for Boulevard, but my favorite local beer is actually the KC Beer Company Dunkel. I just love a good like brown, nutty, something very rich. Um, although I did cut my beer drinking teeth on Shock Top. I can't hardly choke one down anymore. <laughs> nice. So no it is a nice, I would say, yeah. I will, I will agree with you on that, that shock top is probably a decent gateway beer where That's, it's, yes. it's by one of the bigger companies. So you're going to see it often enough, but it's not the standard fizzy yellow lager. So I could see this being a gateway yeah. beer. That's right. I, I, uh, I wasn't a super big drinker in college. So, well, I did try a natty one time and I thought this smells like a gym sock. Why would I do this? And I don't <laughs> think that was the end of it for me. <laughs> You're not wrong there. So no. I, it was, I think it was because it was popular because people were just broke. Right. <laughs> well, cause you would buy an expensive six pack, six pack and then you buy a case of natty. So everybody gets two out of the six pack and then you start on that. See that there's a method yeah, there right. that. Yeah, that definitely, <laughs> that definitely works. So all right. Well, 
once again, thank you yes. for coming out and hanging out with us here to have a little chat and whatnot. So you mentioned Kansas City, but tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. What you're, you're from Kansas City. What do you do? What is fun about what you do? So on and so forth. Absolutely. Well, I'm actually from the dead middle of Kansas originally. My town could not substantiate a stoplight, so they had to take it out. Ooh. So we started with one. It was holding up traffic in all the wrong ways. <laughs> and so we had to get rid of the stoplight. Uh, but I, uh, after college, I taught high school English near Wichita, Kansas for six or seven years. I can't remember anymore. And then decided that I needed a change from the classroom and I quit my job and I moved to Kansas City without a plan. But the education world sucked me back in quickly and I have actually been in ed tech for the last however many years since I've been out of the classroom, seven or eight years. And most recently, uh, spending time at Pear Deck. So I am the program manager for education and outreach at Pear Deck and I live here in Kansas City, um, which in my opinion is the best city in the world because it's like the Goldilocks of city sizes. Not too big, not too small, has all the amenities, none of the traffic, um, minimal inconvenience. But don't tell anybody, I don't really need more people here. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I run our coaches program at Pear Deck, which is how I know Kyle. So the coaches program at Pear Deck is um, a group of ambassadors who receive special training on how to use Pear Deck um, with instructionally sound practices and then train other educators how to use it well in their classroom or these days remotely. And I get to work with really, in my opinion, the best group of educators on the planet. I'm so biased. Awesome. So, so for, for people out there who maybe aren't familiar with Pear Deck, can you give us like just a quick rundown? Like, what is it? If I'm a teacher, why would I want to use it? Absolutely. Pear Deck is a formative assessment and student engagement platform. We operate as an add-on to Google Slides or an add-in to PowerPoint Online, and we can make any presentation interactive. So students join a lesson on their own devices and can follow along with the presentation and engage with questions that teachers embed into their presentation. This can work in an in-person classroom or it can work uh, in a remote setting, synchronously or asynchronously. So teachers have real-time insight into student responses and uh, are able to gauge really our students understanding what, what we're covering. Do we need to speed up, slow down? Um, yeah, just insight into student thinking. Now you said you've been with um, them for quite a while now. So has that pretty much been like throughout their existence or pretty close to the beginning then? So I'm about halfway through. So their Pear Deck is technically six years old and I've been there for three years. So prior to my coming to Pear Deck, Pear Deck was a just kind of a standalone application. You had to create your slide in Pear Deck and it was very simplistic. Shortly after I arrived at Pear Deck, we launched our add-on for Google Slides, which has really been transformative for educators because now everything that they create is inside of Google Slides and you're not having to, you're not really having to learn much of a new tool, just leveling up your ecosystem inside of Google Slides. And then you said it also works with not just Google Slides, but then PowerPoint also then? It does. It works with PowerPoint okay. Online as well. Okay. Yeah. Is that a newer piece? Because I, I, my experience with it has been with Google Slides. Uh, Google Slides is far and away our, our like 
flagship entity, right. but um, yeah, Microsoft, we joined up with Microsoft last year at ISTE cool. when we announced okay. our integration with them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I work in a Microsoft district, so anything that like can works across that, I think teachers, I think teachers like having those options. So it is, I think that's awesome that you're, you're covering both those big platforms. Well, our mission was to uh, help every single teacher engage with every single student. And we came to a crossroads where we realized if we weren't serving our Microsoft educators, we weren't going to be able to achieve that mission. So it was a really important step for us. We also integrate with Teams. I'm not sure if that's a mm. platform that you're using in your district, but Yes. I, I assume we, so yes. Now. <laughs> yes. Especially now, yes. with with the current situation. Yes. I mean, we're uh, we're 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 all in right now. Let's let's just say that we're all in right now. So that's great. That's awesome. So on the surface, if a layman looks at Pear Deck, they're probably going to see a presentation program. So now you mentioned the student engagement piece of that. So. What makes Pear Deck more than just a presentation program like a PowerPoint or a slides? Sure, that's a super good question. Um, the, the secret sauce that really gives Pear Deck power beyond just a presentation tool is our teacher dashboard. So when you've added questions into your, your slideshow and students are joining on their own device, um, that's fine and, and the the base level of student engagement is they're clicking the button that you asked them to click. But it takes it to the next level of engagement when, first of all, teachers can see on their teacher dashboard exactly who is responding um, and what they're saying. And they're seeing those responses come in in real time. There's no submit function. You can actually see a student typing their responses. You see the minute that they select their answer. And so from the get go, a teacher has insight into how quickly their students are processing and even into the, their process of getting their thoughts out uh, through typing. And we really built Pear Deck to also bring equity into the classroom as well so that in an in-person setting, a student who maybe is sitting in the back row or a student who is quiet or shy or processes more slowly has the same opportunity to contribute to the class as um, as any other student. They don't have to look far up at the projector screen to see the information that's being presented. It's right there in the screen in front of them. They're in their natural habitat of device in hand or device in front of face, right? So even that brings a level of comfort to students um, that a regular presentation tool where your, your view is far away just doesn't have. So then with, with, do you find like now that many schools are doing distance, this is like their, their kids are at home. Are you finding, are you finding more people are, are, are using your tool? Are there, are there advantages? Like if I'm a teacher, as opposed to maybe a more standard, I guess, uh, formative assessment tool. Sure. Yeah. We've seen a huge influx of new users, um, people who, we're Googling tools for remote learning, you know, in the spring and frantically trying to figure out a way to connect and, and convey the information to students. We were, um, we were in a good position to help at that time, even though our tool was originally built for in-person learning. Um, it really transcends the, the setting. So 
I think I forgot the second half of your question. Uh, well, I, I guess how, like how, how would this, because I think one of the things that I think, and I'll just speak for like conversations I've had with teachers, like how are we assessing kids in a, in a virtual format, you know, quickly and, and accurately um, and still in an authentic way. I mean, you can't, I just, the nightmare of trying to do a paper pencil test <laughs> online and then go, okay, I hope it's, I hope you actually answered the questions and didn't sit there with your phone Googling all the answers. I mean, so how, how does Pear Deck help with that piece? Yeah, so if you're doing synchronous learning, mm -hmm. um, first of all, it's really hard to call on raised hands on Zoom. It's very mm -hmm. difficult and you're basically, <laughs> I think right. we all know that, right? right? Um, you're at best using, you know, just moving across the grid and randomly right. calling on people. And at that point, you don't know if the person you're calling on knows the answer or not. You may mm -hmm. be putting somebody on the spot in a way that's not productive for them or for you. So mm -hmm. with Pear Deck, every single student can respond to every single question. And you don't have to worry about kids. Even if you're trying to protect kids by not having them show their screens, they can still be participating on Pear Deck, which is, again, to the equity piece that we were talking about. Um, if kids are uncomfortable being on screen, they can still communicate with you through Pear Deck. And the second part of that is that Pear Deck has a student pace mode, which is for asynchronous learning. So a lot of the educators that I was speaking with over the spring and summer were saying, you know, my kids are not joining my Zoom calls, whether it's because they can't or they don't want to, maybe they're helping their younger siblings, maybe they need to be doing their work in the middle of the night after they've helped other family members. Um, but with Pear Deck, you can still convey whatever information you need through the presentation piece of it asynchronously. And you can also capture students' responses along the way. So with the teacher dashboard in Pear Deck, you can still see uh, how a kid has progressed through the lesson. You can see who joined the lesson, even if they didn't participate in a single question. You have insight into who joined it. So you know that kid is alive, at least, whether right. or not they're engaging with you or not. Well, and I think that's super cool because one of the things that we struggle with, and, and I'll speak from a school level, is like how are we assuring that kids are attending, you know, just and 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 so I think that's a, a great feature is because sometimes kids don't. This format is not the best for them, and and they're forced into it. Um, so I like that feature on it. Yeah, one other thing that I was hearing too is uh, students were having a hard time tracking like disparate lessons day by day. And so I was right. hearing about teachers condensing a whole week's worth of less, like a block schedule, but asynchronously mm -hmm. and allowing students to work through a whole week's worth of lessons at their own pace. Because for right. some kids, they would rather just crank out a whole class worth, right. of, you know, like in a week in one sitting and some people need to go and come back. And either way, the teacher can monitor that progress, leave the session open for as long as necessary to capture student responses. And in Texas, I know uh, Texas districts were required to submit some sort of information to the state about um, if a student was like completely disengaged, somewhat engaged, fully engaged. And a mm -hmm. uh, district that I spoke with used Pear Deck to, to measure that based on students just logging into Pear Deck. So if they never logged into a Pear Deck lesson, they'd be marked as like disengaged. Mm -hmm. If they logged in but didn't participate, they still at least got that partial Right. engagement credit and so on. 
Well, and I, th I do think that's something teachers are, are looking for is how are we making sure that we're connected because because not only the academic piece of this we've talked about this on the show multiple times this is uh, we got to make sure kids basic needs are being met so this is just another tool it sounds like to make sure yeah that kid is here they're 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 engaging but it's maybe not in a, in a visual or verbal way absolutely I mean, I don't want to like get ahead of myself if you're going to ask me questions about social emotional no. learning, but that's another really beautiful aspect. You go, you go. Are you sure? I don't want to go rogue. No, on I mean, <laughs> no, there's no rogue on this show. Okay. <laughs> no, we um, drink beer and talk, so no. there's definitely no rogue. We prep no questions, so you are fine. I mean, that's and actually that is. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think I think. I think maybe, and maybe that on me, I mean, I've always seen Pear Deck as that academic piece and, and like, how can I use it as a formative assessment tool? But yeah, how else can we use it? Uh, well, allow me to step on my soapbox for a moment and talk <laughs> about the psychology of student engagement. <laughs> there we go. Um, so if you do, if you look at the research on student engagement, there is the behavioral engagement, the clicking, the responding, the jumping through the hoop that the teacher mm -hmm. places in front. But there's this whole foundational element of emotional engagement that has to come first if students are going to succeed. And the elements of emotional engagement are that the student feels connected to the teacher, mm -hmm. that the student feels connected to their peers, to their student community, and that uh, students can approach class believing that they can succeed. And Pear Deck hits all of these elements. So it's hard to get to know students early on in the first place. Like in a, you know, if you have, whether you have 30 students or 100 in person, right. it can take you weeks and weeks to connect with every single student. Pear Deck accelerates that um, by, again, having every name associated with student responses, being able to capture student input right mm -hmm. away and being able to respond back to them, like hearing every voice early instead of waiting for kids to get comfortable raising their hands. And this works in a remote setting too. And the second part is that uh, students feel connected to their peers. Um, and with Pear Deck, not only can I, as the teacher, see student responses privately in my teacher dashboard, I'm able to project those responses anonymously up on a screen. And we, so I can highlight great responses or I can highlight common ones or conflicting responses. And it allows for students to see like, oh, she picked my answer. Oh, I wasn't the only one that thought that and start to build that sense of, oh, I, I'm, I'm not alone in this class. Other people thought the same things that I did, or there's a chance for us to have a discussion now about differing opinions. And so building that rapport um, just among students being able to communicate their ideas. And then the third part about believing that they can achieve success, just like their peers. Again, kids who maybe wouldn't normally raise their hand or wouldn't want you to call on them or would be uncertain about their answers. If you're highlighting those kids' responses, you're building their confidence. And the more confident they are, the more likely they are to take risks in class and ultimately succeed. And so I didn't even hit on the social emotional learning part, just about the like psychology of right. student engagement there. Um, but Pear Deck also has a ton of like built-in options to build classroom community in other ways. So we have uh, templates, pre-made templates that we offer for free that you can add into any presentation, different kinds of temperature checks, um, which we really recommend during remote learning to see what kids' stress levels are. Um, and then also questions like, what's filling your bucket? What's emptying your bucket? 
um, what's something nice that someone said or did for you this week and starting to get just that pulse on kids' emotions, giving them a space to communicate them, to think through them, to sit with them. We've got a template that's like a moment of silence slide. A lot of teachers will start class with that. Like, okay, let's gather ourselves, take a breath in the transition, get present with our class here. Do you need a moment <laughs> before we jump in? And so finding just little pauses in the lesson, giving kids space to do that. Um, it's really important. So to engage students, so, I mean, you've hit on an absolutely vital piece with the social emotional part, but between the social emotional part and then academic part, you, you've mentioned how all students can engage 100% of the time, 100% of students. So how exactly are students engaging with the program? Oh yeah, to the basics here, yes. <laughs> so the, um, the premise of Pear Deck is that they, a student will receive a join code. When you launch your lesson with Pear Deck, it automatically creates a join code, or you can push the link to the lesson to your Google Classroom, um, or now to a couple of other LMSs if you're a district customer to Canvas or Schoology. And students join that lesson on their own device and they can connect with their Google credentials if you're a Google school, with their Office 365 credentials if you're a Microsoft school, or you can even set it to not require logins and then students can join anonymously and they're assigned an animal avatar or something like that. Uh, but on their own device, what students see is whatever is on the slide. Um, and then if there's any interactivity added to it, we have six different interactive slide types that will be to the, the screen will split and they'll be able to see the content of the slide on the left and they'll be able to respond on the right or in the case of the drawing slide right on top. Uh, but our six interactive slide types are multiple choice. So that feels very much like an old school clicker. It's multiple choice. There's really not, nothing special to it. Um, <laughs> text, so just an open text slide where students mm -hmm. can type a response or multiple responses. We also have a numbers slide. So in that case, they would just input digits, no letters or anything. Um, and then we also have what's called a web slide. So you can actually embed another website into your slide. So students don't have to type in a URL. They don't have to leave the presentation. They can be uh, just synced up right with you on the slide, as long as it's a secure website. And then we have two premium slides. So we have a free version of Pear Deck and a premium paid version that are available. But with the premium, you can also have a drawing slide, which is exactly what it sounds like. Kids can draw on the canvas of the screen and then draggable slide, which mm -hmm. is where a kid can drag an icon that you place, like maybe a pin on a map or uh, drag to a thumbs up or a thumbs down or whatever you choose to put there. So there's different ways to capture student understanding. You're not locked in to just typing. You're not locked into something closed-ended like multiple choice. Um, and you can mix and match those to give kids the best opportunity to convey their learning. Yeah, because of COVID and the need for more really programs out there. It's, uh, you know, the, the saying goes, it's not about the tech, but right now it kind of is about the tech because mm -hmm. if you're distance learning, it, you're not, you're not face to face and you can't just give out the big freaking packet really. I mean, you could just a little bit harder. So that I find that to be really nice about Pear Deck because there is that variety. 
of those different types that are out there because not to bring down any other programs because what they do is phenomenal. But again, a lot of times it is just that multiple choice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's even the multiple choice that's timed depending on the program. So to have those different choices makes it really nice. So now you mentioned with the website one, embedding the website, it has to be a secure site. If it's not a secure site, can you still embed a page and the students have access to it then? You can, it will not render in like the iframe form. Uh, mm -hmm. that it that normally would and the kid would have to click the link and it will pop them outside of the presentation. Okay. So you lose a little bit of that control where they're synced up with your slide. It's not the end of the world and you can certainly teach students how to behave with right. whatever expectations, but it does lose some of that. Well, and it certainly cuts down on the headaches of okay, kids right. go to this website and then uh, you spend five minutes yeah. connecting to the website because how do you open another tab or how do you spell that again? Or the, mm -hmm. the, the myriad of reasons why they can't connect to it. So it just, it does make it easier even if it's not a secure website. So, and now once students are engaged with the different activities on there with this variety of, of, of types of slides and activities you can do in there, does the teacher have to go and look right then and there to see it coming in live? Or is there a way to where they can see it down the road? A great question, Kyle. You can see it at any time. You can see it live. You can leave and come back. You can even, mm -hmm. after you've closed a session, go back later and view it. Um, we also have two post-session viewing options. So after you've closed a presentation, you can actually export student responses to a Google Sheet and quickly scan those responses. It works best for text, multiple choice, mm -hmm. um, and number slides. Those, the draw, drawing and draggable don't translate to a sheet, as you might imagine. Um, but if you're looking truly just for a quick scan formative assessment, that is mm -hmm. one option. Another option is a student takeaway. So um, this is a premium feature as well, but when you end a session with Pear Deck, every participant in that session will receive a Google Doc. And the Google Doc will have every single slide from the presentation, and it will also have that individual student's answers to each slide. So there's an opportunity for students to go back and review the lesson afterwards. There's also the opportunity for teachers to go back and review student participation that way. And because it's a Google Doc and it's shared with both the teacher and the student, you're able to actually go back and edit or type in that doc, leave feedback for a student after the fact, or even encourage a student to go back and reflect. But as far as teachers having opportunities to go back and review student participation, you can always open up the dashboard again to see student responses right there, um, export to the sheet or review each individual takeaway. So, so will it do the same thing in that, in that Microsoft platform? It will not do takeaways okay. with Microsoft. Okay. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I, I pray every day that that will come to be. So. Well, I, that's a huge, I think that's a huge feature for kids because so often we, you, you finish a lesson and you're, and I, I don't know, as a, and Kyle works with high school kids and I, you know, the oldest grade I taught was sixth grade, but even then I'd be like, okay, take some notes. And then you're like, okay, I hope they actually took some notes. So that's a great feature. Yeah, I actually love to use our text function as well, like using the text box or the text response as a note-taking opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. It's something I've recently been pushing. Um, 
and then like you say, then when they review it in their takeaway, they can see those notes, but mm -hmm. that is a Google specific feature right now. <laughs> yeah, Risa, that hack there was something that I had started to use towards the end of last year as well, where when I was face to face with kids, you could go through a presentation in person and you could have a slide pulled up. And if a student wanted to take some notes, whether it's on their own separate Google doc or just handwriting, whatever, wasn't a big deal, but then it became a big deal when you weren't face to face with them. So that's right. when I started taking any slide that was more just information and doing the, let's make this a text slide to where they could put the notes in. Cause then now there's context when that takeaway comes through, here's the slide with, uh, major causes of French Revolution, and then the text box if they wrote down like clarifying things on that. So yeah, that was a that was a great little hack right there. That and then I remember when we were doing the Summer Institute with Paradeck, that was one of your lessons was this great little hack. And I just remember all the other coaches, wow, I never thought of that. And I didn't want to be smug about it and be like, well, I thought of it. Why didn't you? But at the same time, I was proud to know that you and I were kind of on the same wavelength with that, that we were thinking that same thing. I, I love hearing that. I, I'm so in awe of how many creative ways coaches and just educators come up with to make the most out of our tools because it is really flexible. Um, but you guys are so creative. I was just, I'm so impressed. Well, I don't know if you've heard this hack yet, but Joe Marquez came up with one that I haven't done it yet myself, but it's absolutely genius. Have you done the pair deck within a pair deck yet? I don't dabble in, in the meta that much, but I have heard that people do it. How does he use it? <laughs> so what he, what he has done before uh, has he's created a pair deck gone through and then kind of like a choose your own adventure type thing where you get to a slide and say, if you are good, if you feel comfortable with the material, you are free to be done to move on to something else. If you need a little bit more enrichment, click here and it will, or either click there by putting a link in there or embedding another student pace pair deck as a website in the inside that pair deck that then takes them to another student led pair deck with enrichment activities as well so yeah I it's the pair deck within a pair deck so nice. it's he said i haven't toyed with it yet but joe marquez is like he is the he's the edtech macgyver so he um he comes up with some stuff and that's one of them i love it it, it feels very labyrinthine you know to have all those but <laughs> but it's so effective and it's great for differentiation um it's it's not too far off from things that i recommend but specifically I have not played around with that approach it sounds amazing well I, I would definitely say it's not something you would tell somebody in a beginner pair deck session <laughs> definitely don't do that but but it is kind of app smashing in a way so one of the things is people want to do is how can I take tools I'm already using right and work them together to app smash so is pair deck a great tool for app smashing Kyle I'm so glad you asked <laughs> Pear Deck is a great tool for app smashing. I mean, the website slide that we're talking about can house so many things. Like you said, we did some of this summer PD with coaches and the number of things that came up that you can embed into a Pear Deck, anything from a Google Sheet to Kahoot to a Padlet to mm -hmm. anything from YouTube. Kyle, what am I forgetting? I mean, there's so many. 
I'm not, this isn't about me. I mean, the questions <laughs> sound pretty robotic right now. I get that, but you know, so you're, you're more of the expert here. So, because you, you work with a, a lot more than I do, but, but no, you're, you're definitely right. There are so many different programs that can be embedded. And uh, the one that I am really enjoying now at this point is that I'm, I'm helping teach math for the first time in my life. And I haven't even taken math in 20 years, let alone taught it. So now I'm co-teaching math, so it's been a lot of fun actually because I'm relearning all this stuff that 20 years ago I knew, but and now I have to learn it because I'm, I'm going to be helping students out. But um, one of the biggest things that a lot of math teachers, especially, have a gripe about with technology is that it's not math friendly. But mm -hmm. Pear Deck, I find, is math friendly. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, to the extent that I am math conversant, I'm happy to. Um, I, I too have not taken a math class in a long time. One of the biggest ones that I really, that people really love it is just to use it for, use the drawing slide so that kids can show their work. Um, I, a lot of times when I show the number slide, you think, well, this is what we would do for math, but that's, you know, so closed ended. We love having teachers they'll put the equation at the top of a drawing slide and kids will show their work and then you can track easily with it. Um, we also have people who will join their own Pear Deck as a student and uh, you can highlight just certain responses if you want to. You don't have to project every response up on there. Um, so they'll project their own and model the process as well. And then to return to the app smashing piece of it, I know that um, math teachers will embed the Desmos calculator um, into the website as well. I think that's a really big one. Um, there's, oh yeah, FET simulations. I think that's maybe more science, but um, in terms of things you can drop in there and kids can be doing those activities um, within the Pear Deck using another math centric tech tool. Um, you can also use draggables to be plotting points on a graph. Again, using, allowing kids to convey their knowledge in, in different, more open-ended ways. Um, not just being boxed into the traditional approach while also being a good vehicle for the more traditional approach. The thing that I love about the drawing side is you're not like parading these poor kids up to the whiteboard where they're like failing miserably in front of their peers, you know? I, that was like my nightmare always as a student. The last thing I wanted to do was work out a problem um, in public, but it's so safe and protected in the Pear Deck realm. Yeah, so, I think probably the best example of that in my experience using Pear Deck was when I was teaching economics and having the kids draw supply and demand curves, and which is not easy, especially if you don't have a lot of base knowledge about economics to like you said, putting them up at the board here, go up to the board and draw a supply curve and label it. I mean, that would be just mortifying for 98% of students. And to be able to put a background of a graph onto a Paradex slide and then give them the instruction what you want them to draw in a supply curve or a demand curve is really powerful. And then not only do you, do you give them the opportunity to do it safely and securely without fear, then you can project them on the board and as a class you can look at different responses and then talk them out so look at this supply curve what is what what is good about this supply curve oh well it's sloping in the correct direction okay what about the labels oh that well this person mislabeled it great so how do we fix that so it becomes like 
it's an individual activity that becomes a group discussion as a result. And that, that piece in, in economics was absolutely just phenomenal. And I mean, I, my experience with it across the board with every subject I've taught has been great. So, but I'm sure you could just tell stories for days on success stories from different subject areas and grade levels. Well, I mean, it, it is, it's so flexible. And sometimes it's interesting. you when you have newcomers, come to Pear Deck, you might have teachers of older subjects say, like, look at our really whimsical graphics, our smiling pear and the beautiful illustrations that our artist puts together. And they're like, well, this is too elementary. This doesn't seem like it's appropriate for older kids. And then you're having these really rich engagements with students in economics or you're annotating text together as a group or doing critical thinking activities with these uh, open-ended questions and discussion. Meanwhile, if you, some students, some teachers will come in and say, well, you know, my kids can't type, they can't, mm -hmm. they don't really write sentences right now. Well, that's enter the drawing slides and the draggable slides. You want to know what Pear Deck drawing slides are great for? Sight words. Again, mm -hmm. ditching the whiteboards or the chalkboards where you're holding up your, you know, the and said right. or whatever those are. They can do all those with a touch screen. Um, and teachers can see them all at the same time. You can practice telling time with the drawing slide. You can be doing matching activities with draggables and identifying different things. Um, tons of opportunities, truly from K through college. And we have people who use it for professional development as well, um, and faculty meetings and all that sort of thing. So there's really no age limit. It's all about how you execute it. So so if, if I'm a teacher and I'm just starting out with Paradeck, like what do you recommend? Like what's a, what's a good entry point for me? Um, our template library, which lives in the sidebar in Google Slides. When you launch Paradeck, um, it opens up the sidebar in Google Slides or an add-in in PowerPoint. And we have all these pre-made templates and we have them broken out into beginning of class, middle of class, end of class, and we have different um, packages for subject areas as well. I recommend starting with a nice little like warm up slide or an exit ticket, something that you're already doing in your class structure anyway. And especially with remote learning, like I already said, I recommend like a temperature check, just a stress check or a, something like that. And that allows you as a teacher, a new teacher to add a little bit of interactivity, get comfortable launching the lesson that way get your students comfortable joining the lesson. Um, it's a low point of entry for everybody. And then you proceed with the rest of your lesson like you normally would. You don't have to have any other interactivity. Um, but at the end, you've practiced that little bit. And then once you're comfortable there, adding the exit ticket or okay. adding one or two in the middle. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there, there, there are multiple options. Like if I'm a, if I'm a teacher just getting involved, I don't have to worry about like, I've got to create all these slides. You've already done that for people. No, take your existing presentations. I'm just, I mean, most teachers are using some sort of presentation tool at this point anyway. Right. So take something you already did and tack something simple on the beginning. Templates are awesome because they are fully editable, but they're also turnkey and ready to go. You don't have to edit the text or the images if you don't want to, but you can if you do want to. Awesome. Now, you mentioned that a lot of these items are free, but there are some premium features. So um, just a quick rundown on the difference between the two and then how much is this going to cost a teacher if they do want to go with the premium? 
Sure. So uh, the the free version, you get to present the you get the multiple choice, the text, the web slide, and the number slide are all free. Um, and you can present your Paradex. Any number of students can join. Um, and you can still export those responses to a sheet at the end of your lesson. You do not have access to the teacher dashboard. So you can still see students' answers anonymously, um, but you see them all at the same time and uh, there's no way to keep them. Like you either project all the answers or you don't. So you're not really like shielding students from any of the responses. So with the premium version, the biggest differentiator is the teacher dashboard. That's the part that I mentioned at the beginning is so powerful because it gives teachers specific and real-time insight into student responses with the names associated with each response. The drawing and the draggable slides are also premium features. The student takeaways are premium features. And then a couple of things that we haven't touched on that are a little bit newer, um, you can also add audio to your slides. So you can either record your voice or upload recordings um, and add them to your slides. That one's new. Also, we have a, a new feature that we rolled out just for, just for remote learning called teacher feedback. So uh, teachers can actually go in and leave feedback for an individual student on an individual response and that student will receive a little notification uh, and then be able to adjust their answers. And also we have an integration with Immersive Reader. And this, is, this works for um, Microsoft. Obviously it is a Microsoft tool, but it also works with Google Slides as well. Um, and so those are all our premium features. So when you sign up for a new Pear Deck account, you automatically get a 30-day free trial of premium to test drive all those lovely features. And then after that, an individual subscription for a teacher is $149 a year. Um, we also sell school and district licenses as well. And of course, we would prefer that because we don't want teachers paying out of pocket. Also, it's Pear Timber. I can't believe that I waited 30 minutes to tell you guys about this. <laughs> it's the Pear Deck National Holiday Month. And we do tons and tons of giveaways during Pear Timber. So, um, if you are not following us on Twitter, we're just at Pear Deck. Um, follow us for a ton of opportunities to win free access, um, a ton of other swag, earn some badges, things like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress there, but I just realized this is a great opportunity for people to get free stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you mentioned your Twitter account, and I think people need to, a lot of people uh, that listen to the show are on Twitter. I check their stuff out because there's tons of, like, like on, if you follow Bearneck, they're, they're always, there's always content. It's not like you guys are putting up content all the time. We do. Uh, and we try to make it always very flexible. Um, mm -hmm. We're not giving you lessons. We're not giving you curriculum. We're never going to be providing curriculum because right. you guys as educators know what you need to teach. Um, right. We just want to be a vehicle for that. But during Pear Timber, we are also, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, I can, I'm assuming you guys put up some show notes I can share yeah, some links with you there. We're putting out new template packs every single week, um, which is more than we, we don't usually roll them out quite that quickly. Um, things like how to get your classroom set up with Pear Deck, you know, like agenda slides, how to communicate with parents about Pear Deck, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, all that is happening in our newsletter and on Twitter all month long. 
Awesome. Well, and not only do you have the newsletter and the, the different templates that come out, but there's also the, the library of resources that right. people have shared too. So like a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of your other programs, you can go in and basically steal from someone else that's put out there, their formative assessment, what, with whatever tool that may be. And Paradex, no different. There, there's also that tool there. That's right. And we're also rolling out, um, we're trying to keep really up to date with tools that are specific to remote and hybrid learning because we know that that's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So um, even training decks on how to train others on Pear Deck and how to get people set up, you know, with split screens so that they can be in their Zoom call and on their Pear Deck, things like that, just making sure that everybody has the resources that they need to succeed because it's tough right now. I know that it is. So you mentioned PearDeck.com where you can learn more information and on Twitter at PearDeck. How about you personally? How can we connect with you on Twitter I, or other places? I am on Twitter at Risa PearDeck. So that's R-I-S-A PearDeck, all one word. Perfect. So awesome. Now, normally, the, we, we don't typically do episodes uh, where we're really kind of endorsing a product, but this is one that, in the, in the situation that we're in right now, right. teachers are looking for things to make their life easier, yeah. to connect with their students, to get their content out there, to make sure students are okay. And I'm totally biased about this. I, Pear Deck has been very good to me for several years now. So when the opportunity came up to have you join us today, I absolutely had to jump at this. So I can't thank you enough for joining. It's my pleasure. I, I mean, I love to talk about Pear Deck. I love to talk to you, Kyle. Um, <laughs> normally I love to drink beer, but. <laughs> well, in, a, in about eight, nine months after yeah, things settle down a little bit, you can drink a beer again. <laughs> there we go. I hope it's less than that. I'm only two months away. I like told my <laughs> well, husband I expect a bottle of champagne in my hospital room. I'm paying attention, but it, I am typing because I'm writing down what she says to share with my teachers. Because I think, I think this is an amazing tool that I, in fact, I just had a conversation today with a teacher and we were talking about assessment in a digital, you know, a distance learning format. And she's like, well, we, well, I want it, I want them to take the test. I want them to take a test for just, just to get some data to see if they're really learning and, and how can I do this? And I think, I know this just worked out perfectly. So I am paying attention. I'm just taking notes. I think that's great. And I don't show you that at all. I'm not tracking <laughs> yep. your eye contact. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, I, have, I have been, my teachers have told me they're all, we can tell when we're in a meeting and you're answering emails. I'm like, oh, you should get better at this. Not great. Not great. Yeah. That's why, in the, that's why in the public, that's why like my son works in the private sector and he's like, why do you guys turn your cameras on? None of us have our cameras on. I'm like, oh, because you guys are doing other things in the meeting. He goes, yeah, of course we are. I was definitely the worst at that when I was a teacher. Um, but if somebody had used Pear Deck to run a, a professional development or even just a faculty meeting, I would have been held a lot more accountable. There we go. I've, I've awesome. done both of those things before. When I was a dean, I used Pear Deck for our crisis intervention plan right. meeting. So now listeners, keep the conversation yes. going. Share your thoughts on today's topics. Email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. Tweet us at beeredupod. Use beer, hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook at beeredupodcast, all one word. Follow us on Instagram at beeredupod. That's the fun one. So Ben, yep. we've been terrible about posting our beers lately, but we have. We, we but we're then again, get back on there. We, I haven't been drinking a lot of beer though either. So, 
no. uh, YouTube channel. So if you are on YouTube watching this, yes. thank you so much for watching. Subscribe at our channel at bit.ly slash beeredu YouTube. Be sure to follow Risa at Risa Paradeck on Twitter. Send us a voice message on the Anchor app. We'll put it in the show and then leave us a review wherever you listen. More can find the podcast that way. And if you'd like to be a guest in the podcast, our website, beeredupodcast.com. And Ben, what do they do once they get there? Yeah, so just go to our website, click on the contact and subscription info link, and then you complete the guest form. And then uh, we'll get you in the queue and have you on the show. And you can talk about what you're passionate about, just like Risa did, and, and, and share 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 your educational journey. For sure. Now, Risa, stick around a second yep. because it is that time. It is the learn about segment that Ben go. and I like to do. Yes. And, and Kyle, what are we going to learn about? Even though well, you teased it earlier. I did tease it. I basically said, we're going to talk about wit beer on yes. this episode here. So now this came from the list that you and I came up with one day right. of what topics have we not covered? So this, I pulled from so, it. And then- So selected. we would basically stop saying, haven't we already talked about this? Haven't we already talked about this? Well, we yeah. have so. so I'm wondering what's going to happen as we get further down the road and we're struggling to find things. I think we're going to do a lot of history of breweries uh, down the road, but I digress. So I, I'm waiting to do the bubbly water thing because I'm down with, I, I, that is my other drink of choice. So I'm, I'm curious, we can do a whole other, that's like a side. That's a side. great palate cleanser when you're doing beer flights. So, there we go. Yeah. So there it connected. So now <laughs> wit beer. So wit beer is Flemish for white beer. So, right. which, you know, I can see that. Um, it's a style that originated in Belgium and the Netherlands, very popular until the 19th century, but because of pale lagers, it all but disappeared. So as German style beers right. started to spread throughout Europe, the, the wit beer pretty much disappeared. But Luckily, there was a brewer in a village in Belgium called Hogarden, H-O-E-G-A-A-R-D-E-N, which is a brand of beer, too. And that's how I've had this beer oh. before, too. Back in the 1960s, this brewer really enjoyed the wit beer. It was making himself and decided more people need this. Basically, create a brewery and revive the style in the 1960s. Now, the reason why they're called white beers and not just wheat beers is because mostly of these beers, that was the worst English grammatic sentence ever. The former English teacher in Risa is just losing it right now. So <laughs> let me rephrase. These are dubbed white beers because of the pale, almost milky glow of the beer. And what this comes from is from the wheat that's in the grain bill. So it's very similar to a German Hefeweizen style, but it's a much higher content of wheat. It has to be at least 50% in order oh. for it to be a wit, wit beer. They sometimes also will add oats, which will add to that milkiness. And then it'll also add to like a more creamy style okay. on your uh, on your palate with it as well. So, um, and now direct from our source here, allaboutbeer.com, the effect of the raw wheat and oats on the palate is a silky smooth mouthfeel, a playful tart and honeyish contrast and noticeable fruitiness. So that was direct from the website. Okay. But then what also sets these aside from other styles, especially from the Hefeweizen, is they use coriander and curacao, which is bitter orange peel. That's okay. the most common ingredient. But there's other spices that they'll use too, like peppercorns, star anise, grains of paradise, ginger, really just a variety of different spices. But coriander and then that bitter orange peel are the most common. 
Okay, so that's okay. So I used to confuse the two because I could never figure out what the difference was. Because when you look at them, they look very similar. If you look at a glass, right? Yeah, the hefts and the um, the Whitmers right. are very similar. But it's got the hefts tape. tend to have that banana and clove flavor, and that's okay. really more from the yeast. It's not from adding right. anything. Whereas the wit beers, it's from the wheat, the yeast. Okay. That Belgian style yeast will add a right. little funk to it, and then yeah. this coriander and the orange peel. They're oftentimes brewed year round. Some of them they do specifically for summer because it is it's a very light, refreshing style. Right. right. Now here's your common examples. I already talked about Shock Top. Right. The most common the one. Most common. Yes. Most anybody that has ever had a beer has probably had a Blue Moon. Yeah. So I will say. We want to get into the the fruit and beer conversation. We're not no, be, yeah, the, where they <laughs> add the orange and everything. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I will say that. One of the first legal beers I ever had on my 21st birthday actually was a Blue Moon. So I remember it was a Blue Moon and an, a Killian's Irish Red, which we need to get into Irish Red conversation oh, at go. some point too. Hogarden White is another one. That's that brewer in Belgium that started this back up in the 60s. Right. Mentioned Shock Top. Ben, I know you've had this one. Lost Coast Great yep. White. Yeah, actually, is, this is my favorite. This, that's probably my favorite of this style. Yeah, it's, that's a really great example. There's a great one out of France called Cronenborg, 1664 Blanc. Okay, yeah. So Cronen, and I'm, I'm trying to think. I've, I've seen it, or maybe I just know what it is. It's a, that's a tricky one to find. Yeah, that one, I, the last time I had that one, I actually had it at a Vietnamese restaurant. So okay. Vietnam has the distinct French connection. So they, they had that on tap at a Vietnamese restaurant one time. So it went really great with my bowl of pho with the spicy and everything. Uh, there's an Icelandic brewery. I've mentioned this brewery before, Einstock. Right. They, they entered the market in Southern Nevada a couple years ago. And I remember okay. just plowing through like six of their different styles of beer. And they make one called the Icelandic White Ale that's really good. And then cool. local for me, Tanea Creek in Las Vegas right. will occasionally brew one called Sunrise Mountain, which okay. Sunrise Mountain is a lo- one of the mountains on the east right. side of the city. Um, but yeah, it's like a nice milky orange and then it's got a nice little fruit uh, profile to it. So, but there's lots of great wit beers out there. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anybody up here has, I, I don't think Lead Dog has done one. That, you know, no, I can remember. Lead Dog and Revision, because they tend to be I, more IPA brewers anyway. Right, I don't remember right. anybody then. I guarantee Great Basin at one no. point probably did one. Well, they yeah, they may have done one. And I'd have to go back through their catalog. Yeah, probably as catalog. a one-off. Nothing like that right. really stuck right. around. So, but uh, yeah, if you, and a great website to find besides untapped, if you go into, there's a website called beeradvocate.com. Right. If you right. type in Whitbeer, it'll pull up a list of like the 150 top of that oh, style cool. throughout the country. And that's sometimes where I find a lot of the example styles, right. especially of these really tougher to find ones. Is That's where I'll pull from is that beer advocate sometimes. So Awesome. But yeah, that, a really great style that I know we've had, but just we never covered. Yeah. So it was high time we did. All right. We checked that off the list. <laughs> so now, and then Risa, you mentioned earlier yes. um, the uh, brown style beers that uh, the Dunkel, which we yes. actually have that on our list to do. We do. At one point. So we'll let you know when we cover the Dunkel so you can listen up and learn about that one. Yes. Or, you know, have me back and I'll talk about the exact one that I like to drink. <laughs> we'll space. Okay. So we'll have to space that episode out when we talk about Dunkel. It'll be, 
at least more than two months down the road, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe in the new so, year. But you know what, don't yeah. hold you up. I'll listen, just like <laughs> whatever you need to do. <laughs> or if anything, we can just uh, do a short we'll do it again. recording, five minutes or whatever, have you come back together, you talk about your beer, we'll just add it to the episode. There we go. I love it. We I'm can do that. that too. Perfect. Technology. So. Well, Risa, thank you so much for, for joining us. It was my pleasure, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. awesome. For sure. So, and listeners, once again, as always, thank you for joining us and we love having you. We love your support. And until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on.